You're listening to Your Woo Woo Best Friend, a no BS approach to wellness, spirituality, manifestation, and all things mystical. Hello, it's Andy. Welcome to the show. This is Your Woo Woo Best Friend. This episode, our first episode, as we have moved into the summer season. Happy summer, my beautiful friends. This episode is full of such juiciness. I have a special guest today. I'm going to introduce you to her in just a few minutes. We also have a giveaway that she and I have teamed up to share with this community. I'll talk about that at the end of this episode. And if you're listening, this is your sign to unclench your jaw, to take a deep breath, and allow the beauty of summer in. Visualize this. What would it look like What would it feel like if you spent these summer months ahead doing more of what actually matters to you? Just for a moment, zoom out, see the big picture of your life. Ask yourself, am I waiting for the right time? And I'm using air quotes. There is no such thing as the right time to transform your life. I know that feels cliche, but you know what? It is so true. Use this summer, allow this portal of the summer solstice to open up you. You have to decide it is your moment. The conversation I'm going to have today is one of those in which you're going to be completely inspired by this guest's story. I know sometimes we get scared of failure. My guest today certainly could have had that feeling too, or maybe even scared of change. I have certainly felt that way when I've wanted to take big risky leaps in my life. Sometimes we actually subconsciously want to reaffirm that belief that, hmm, I'm just not worthy. So we can stay small. So we don't have to put ourselves out there. When I started my journey of manifestation, everything opened up for me. And lately, we've had so many DMs, text messages, and emails coming through from you guys, from friends of this show. And you're telling me the stories of how you are creating more expansive lives for yourself. And I just want to remind you before we get into the conversation today, Manifestation Blueprint is still open. It is still open. This is your moment. It's time to build a blueprint for your future. If you have questions about the blueprint, go ahead and send us a message. If you're not sure what to manifest, I hear you. Many of us have been out of alignment and it's like we can't even begin to find the clarity of what our deepest, most true desires even are. One of the great things about the blueprint is we do the work in that course to help you get clear on your desires so that you can start to strengthen your manifestation muscle. If you're already in the course, send me a message and let me know what's coming up for you as you work through those first couple of modules, as you begin to release your rackets, as you begin to really face those limiting beliefs and make shifts. I want to hear from you. If you haven't signed up yet and you're feeling like it's time, you can still do so. The course doors are open until July 1st. So you've got a little bit of time left and you're going to get immediate access as soon as you sign up. So no more sleeping on your dreams. I'm not sleeping on mine. Neither should you. My guest today, she's not sleeping on hers. So let's do it. Let's build our dreams together. Okay, so let's meet my guest today. 
Adapala is the CEO of Alchemy Forever. She's a skincare expert, an entrepreneur, a lover of art and champagne. Trust me, I have spent many days having conversations about all of these things, beauty, skincare, art and champagne with my dear friend, Adapala. She launched her family's Swiss-based skincare line in the U.S. in 2004. I've known her for over a decade Yeah, I'm trying to think back to when we met. It's been a really long time. She is so brilliant, so inspiring, and she's doing so many great things with her company and all of the different organizations that she's a part of. She earned a BA from Harvard and an MBA from Georgetown, and it may come as no surprise today that her brand has global visibility and distribution. It is absolutely an incredible brand. Her focus and determination have produced double-digit annual growth, and her passion for anti-aging skincare has led her to securing partnerships with exclusive spas, specialty boutiques, pharmacies, and online partners as well. She shares her family's philosophy that healthy skin can be achieved by using clean and clinical skincare products. Ada contributes to several industry magazines. She speaks at top universities and leading industry conferences. She is a total jet setter. I was so lucky to be able to get time with her. She was featured on the cover of Business Week's Small Biz and was one of the top five finalists nominated for Emerging Entrepreneur of the Year by Entrepreneur Magazine. She's also just a brilliant, brilliant human being. When I invited her on the show, I had a conversation with her before the episode recording day, and we talked about what we wanted to talk about. And we agreed that a conversation around the philosophy of beauty was one that neither of us had yet had. And between us, I think you all know my background. I've spent many, many years in the beauty and wellness space and worked in the corporate beauty world and still consult today with beauty and wellness companies. Obviously, this has been her life's work and her family's work. So that's what we decided to do. So we're going to have a conversation about the philosophy of beauty. Can't wait to share this with you. So let's get to it. Welcome, my dear friend, Adapala, to the show. Hello, my friend. Welcome to the show. Hey, Angie, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to do this. You and I have obviously, you know this, our audience doesn't. We've known each other for a really long time, and I'm so thrilled to have an opportunity to have this conversation in this way after all this time that we've known each other. Yes, it's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege. I was trying to figure out how long it's been, and I stopped counting the years because it's <laughs> yeah. been a minute. <laughs> I feel like we were, I mean, we weren't children, but we were like in our, you know, we were, we were, we were in our careers, we were doing our thing, but we were like youthful gals, like, you know, just living life. Yeah. Not that we aren't still that now, you know. But we're, just, we're quite a bit wiser, I think. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, I'm so excited about this conversation. And you and I have been chatting a bit beforehand. And we've got so much good, juicy stuff we're going to talk about. When we initially talked, we had a conversation about, we're going to talk about beauty. And is beauty is beauty mystical? Is Does it fit into the conversation of what we do here at Your Woo Woo Best Friend? And we both very much agreed that it 
is and it does fit. And I'm so looking forward to getting into beauty and the way that we're going to discuss it. But before we do that, I want to give our listeners a bit of background on you. So you grew up in a very close-knit family. You have three beautiful sisters, and you started working with your father, who's a a world-renowned dermatologist, when you were really young. And it's probably fair to say that you were raised in the world of beauty, skincare beauty, and the importance of looking good and feeling good were very much a part of your upbringing. So tell me a little bit about that, about your story. Yes, thank you. Um, I like to say that the thing that I'm luckiest about is the family that I was born in. Like you said, I have three amazing uh, younger sisters. I do want to say I am the eldest, a true eldest. Um, and we have the privilege of working together. And this is all thanks to my parents. So how I got into the world of beauty or skincare or dermatology or self-care, however you want to characterize it, is through my father, uh, Dr. Luigi Pola, uh, the leading dermatologist in Switzerland. And he came to skincare products in a very organic fashion. I always tell people, you know, our brand didn't start by us sitting in a boardroom, having focus groups and identifying white space in the market. The way that it started is he was the first dermatologist to bring laser technology to Europe. He did his medical school in Switzerland and then ended up at Mass General Hospital in Boston for his uh, postdoctoral fellowship. And it was a right time, right place type of scenario. He worked in the Wellman Labs with Professor Rox Anderson, who is credited for inventing uh, the use of lasers in dermatology. Mm. Now, you know, when when I think when people think about lasers for dermatology, now they think anti-wrinkle, anti-tattoo, anti-hair, all those more cosmetic applications. But this was back in the mid-80s. And the first use of lasers in dermatology was to treat infants and children suffering from port wine stains and hemangiomas. Mm. Now, for those of you who haven't, uh, who have had the pleasure of not being confronted with either of those, these are big, dark red port wine stain, imagine wine, red wine color birthmarks that impact mostly the face um, at birth. And they start being light purple and very small, and they can, uh, if left untreated, end up to be quite debilitating, including impacting eyesight, obviously making a a very unseemly um, stain on the face. Uh, And so it was a very medical application at the beginning. And because my father was the the only uh, doctor to have this technology for many years, he would have parents come from all over Europe to his practice in Geneva, Switzerland, bring their kids. This is a um, multi-treatment therapy. It's not one and done mostly. And so he would see these children every three, six, nine months for a few years. He would treat them until their Port Weinstein or their hemangioma went away. And the amazing thing that happened is he would see the children transform, you know, from Mm. feeling self-conscious because they had something that didn't look like the other children or they had something that bothered them to flourishing into much more um, happy, self-confident, outgoing, open kids. And you mentioned me starting to work at his derm practice. So he was so busy that he would work seven days a week, um, early morning to late at night. And he could not find a front desk team willing to work his same hours. And so I 
this started, I think I was 10 years old. I would work um, before school at his front desk, checking people in, finding their, you know, paper files at the time, uh, late at night and then on weekends. And so that's how I got to kind of see what he was doing, helping the, helping these children and what, what he was doing for their sense of self, if you will. And, um, you know, we, we still to this day are the, have the largest laser platform in Switzerland in our now three Medi spa locations. So we've continued this work in laser, but, and we continue to, well, we, he continues to do the more medical laser uh, treatments in addition to all of the cosmetic things. But it was really this, this start uh, was really about seeing those children and helping those children. So I think this is important to my vision because I see skincare as something that helps you become your best self. Um, and that is how it's been since I've been 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, these laser treatments are also in the end how, how we ended up with products. You know, my father was a clinical dermatologist. He never set out to have a skincare brand. The thing that happened is these uh, laser treatments for these kids created heat, redness, swelling, discomfort, pain, inflammation in the skin. The kids would cry. My dad is a big softy. He was like, oh my God, I can't have these children crying in my office. This is hurting my soul. And so he uh, looked for a product to help heal the skin of those kids immediately post-treatment and he couldn't find what he wanted. So he has a friend, uh, still friend today, who is a compounding pharmacist in Geneva. And he reached out to her and said, look, this is the type of product I'm looking for. This is what I wanted to do here. Some ideas of ingredients. Can you make me something? So she made these little white jars and he would give them to the parents and say, you know, put this on in the waiting room right after as your child calms down, put it on this evening and tomorrow until your child feels, you know, 100% better. Um, and that product we still have today is our Cantic Brightening Moisture Mask. Which oh, you, I, I believe you know how you, I, yes. you've used it and love it, perhaps. Yeah, you know how I feel about um, that mask. Yeah, and that's you know that's how it all started. the The parents would go home, and then the mothers would come the next time during for for the follow up appointment, saying, you know, we went home and. I put the mask on my son and to make him feel like it was okay. I put it on my face as well. And he was perfectly happy, but I was like, Whoa, what's happening to my skin. So can I have one for me and one for him? And so one thing led to another and now we have a product line. Wow. I mean that product specifically, there's so much good stuff in your line. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but that product, I mean, I I've been using it for years. You shared it with me years ago and I, just took some some of that mask with me. Um, uh, it's not a bottle. What is it? What do you call it? It's not a a jar. A jar. Yeah, I took a jar of the yeah. of the mask up with me to the forest when I was going up to the mountain house uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was just reminded of how incredibly transformative that product is. I was like, you know, working outside and doing things around the house, and like quite different environment than being down here in LA, which is quite dry too, but at least you've got some ocean breeze every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And it was, my skin was so dry and it was immediately transformed. It's such an incredible product. It's my favorite. Well, it is the one that started it all for us. I didn't so. realize that. That's really cool. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you're there, you're growing up in this family in which 
this incredible work is happening. And then you moved to the U.S. to attend college at Harvard. And that was obviously quite a transition in your life. And and then after that, you now have this opportunity to bring this brand that your father's created to the U.S. So take me through that experience. Yes. So uh, when my dad was at Mass General, I was six years old. We were in Boston for two years and they are or were, or I don't know which tense to use, but those were my best childhood memories. And so I always wanted to go back to Boston for school, Mm. um, which is how I ended up um, back in Boston for college. And I always wanted to somehow contribute to the family business. You know, I think that's one of the amazing things when I was growing up working with my father. I mean, he has a, uh, he had a solo dermatology practice with a few employees but to see, in in a way, I mean, he is, he was an entrepreneur. And to see that lifestyle, to see him creating this business, I thought this is, it, there's no other path. I never even really considered going to work for, I don't know, a company. Like it just, I think it was ingrained in me so, so early on that this was what one did. And so I was in the U.S. and I wanted to somehow get, become involved in the family business uh, without returning to Switzerland. And I thought, well, we have these products. I think by then we had maybe five products. They were still in small white jars. They now actually had a sticker uh, to differentiate you know, them from each other. They were only sold, now not given away, but sold at our back then one Medispa location. And I thought, well, maybe we can do something with these little white jars. Um, And so I ended up in DC for business school and I did entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurship track in business school. And I did all of the case studies possible. And then if there were projects to do, I enlisted my uh, friends, friendly students to do the the project on um, what is now called Alchemy Forever. And I officially launched the line as a, you know, as a separate brand um, upon graduating from business school in 2004, which when I say that, I'm like, wow, it's going to be 20 years soon. But sometimes it feels like 20 months and sometimes it feels like 200 years. I'm, you know, how that is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So the brand is Alchemy Forever. And tell me a little bit about the story of the brand in terms of how you came up with the name. That's something you and I have been talking a bit about. So share a little bit about that. Yes, the name. You know, I think um, in business school, they probably teach you about branding and the class probably goes like, well, pick a name that's memorable and easy to spell and easy to pronounce. I think I missed that lecture (laughs) or that class um, because I picked Alchemy Forever, and Alchemy is spelled A-L-C-H-I-M-I-E. It is pronounced Alchemy. A lot of people pronounce it alchemy. They're not wrong. Alchemy is the French word for alchemy. Um, and there is a story behind it. So my sister and I were at a, a tea shop in Geneva in the old town, and we were trying to think of a name. So the the name of my then, um, the inst- the what had become from the dermatology practice that my father created was Forever Institute. And we like the word forever. It kind of tied it. It's almost like the last name of the brand. It ties it back to its origin. There's something obviously in the word forever, long lasting. There's also the idea of, you know, living forever, which is certainly not what we aspire to, but there's this 
this time expansion of time concept, which we liked. And then we're like, but we need another, we need another word. And, and I was like, okay, well, let's find a word that starts with a, because then in any alphabetical listing, we would be first. I don't know where I got the idea that that was important, but so then we started thinking about, okay, let's think about words with a, and we came to the word alchemy and we were like, this is exactly what we're looking for. So if you think about the word um, alchemy, alchemy is the precursor to chemistry. So it's from the Middle Ages. It's the, the science that ended up becoming what we think of today as chemistry. And of course, when you have skincare or you know any type of, of product, you need science, you need chemistry, you need formulations. This is the core of how we make product. The thing about alchemy is that there's there was a very magical, mystical side to alchemy, which um, as it evolved to becoming chemistry was completely set aside. And this mystical, magical side had to do with the transformation of things. So a lot of people associate alchemy with the uh, transformation of lead into gold. There was also uh, the pursuit of some more magical or mystical things, such as the stone of eternal youth, which, you know, still has not been found. But the this more magical and mystical aspects were really important to us. First, what are we trying to do with product? We're trying to transform your skin, transform it for the better, make it its best possible version. So this this idea of transforming something that might not be perfect into something gold-like, that's shiny, that's beautiful, that's you know, coveted, that is uh, desired, uh, really spoke to us. And then this idea of the stone of eternal youth, which is is a lot like pushing it on the mystical end. But if you think about beauty, if you think about skincare, yes, it is science. Yes, it is what's in the jar. But in the end, it's about how it makes you feel. You know, I, I and I always feel like this when I'm not feeling so well, I didn't sleep well, or I don't know, the weather's impacting me or for whatever reason. If I put on a prettier outfit, if I put on a bolder lipstick, if I go and get a blowout, I feel better. And skincare is the same. It's part of that transformation of yourself from maybe yourself that's not your best self into your best self. Um, And so we really you know, that aspect really resonated. And then lastly, um, the alchemists were also the first to identify plants as having healthful benefits. So if you go back and look at the first writings about the benefits of ginger or the benefits of whichever plant, these were from the alchemists. And while we're not 100% natural, we are very botanically driven in our ingredient strategy. And so even that part fit with what we were trying to do. So it was really about the science the magic, the transformation, and the plants. And all of that, you know, it took me, I don't know how many seconds to tell you all this story, but all of that is encompassed, lives in this word alchemy. Mm-hmm. And we chose the French um, translation, alchemy. Mm, so beautiful. So beautiful. I, I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of naming things uh, with some sort of French variety. Uh, my blog is obviously... Yes, I love Wee Wee. <laughs> yeah, my blog is obviously that. We just named the retreat house and we named it La Forêt, the forest. Um, so we're calling mm-hmm. it La Forêt Retreat Chalet. So that's our... I, I'm with you I on this that. naming strategy. I, I probably skipped Good. that lesson in, in business school too around make it easy. I think it's like yeah. make it make it have some depth. That's, that's what I think. Yes. And make it a little different, you know? Yeah. Make it special. 
Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the nature of beauty is one of the most enduring and controversial even themes in Western philosophy. Beauty has been counted among the ultimate values with goodness and truth and justice. And as I was preparing for our conversation, I was doing some reading this weekend and in the spirit of definitions, I came across a couple of definitions of beauty from poets and scientists and philosophers, and I wanted to share these with you. I'm sure these are all definitions you've heard in some capacity before, and I wanted to just get your take on these definitions of beauty. The first one that I found to be uh, quite interesting and also I was, I was kind of feeling this one. It's from the Enlightenment philosopher David Hume, and he said, it exists merely in the mind, talking about beauty, it exists merely in the mind, which contemplates them, and each mind perceives a different beauty. What's your thoughts on that? It exists merely in the mind. Each mind perceives a different beauty. Yeah. I think uh, there are two things that speak to me specifically with that definition. The first is it's merely in the mind. What does that mean? That means that I can find myself beautiful and you can not find me beautiful. That means that I, if I think I'm beautiful, I am beautiful. Yeah. That means if I, you know, if I think I'm beautiful, I feel a certain way that's a different way than if I think I'm ugly. That also means you're not the one to tell me if I'm beautiful or not. You in your own mind can have your opinion about my beauty, but it's not up to you to give it to me. It's up to my own mind to make it up. Of course, then if I feel I'm ugly, there's no help in you telling me I'm beautiful because you're not going to be able to really change that reality in my own mind. And that's you know something I think at times we all struggle with. The other thing um, is I think it makes beauty very... Even I was going to say independent, but even more than that, very personal, meaning mm -hmm. beauty is up to each and every one of us, what it means for us. And it's not about someone telling us that beauty is about, you know, perfection, whatever that means, or symmetry, or being a size two, or having no wrinkles, or not having a saggy neck. Uh, I think there there's a... Um, there's a freedom to define beauty in that quote, which yeah. behooves all of us to embrace. Yeah. Yeah, it really, that one spoke to me so much. It exists merely in the mind. It's, we talk a lot about manifestation on this podcast and in our courses at We We, and it's a really wonderful reminder that if beauty exists merely in the mind and we believe that so much of what we are able to cultivate in our life through a manifestation practice comes from the soul, the mind, the heart. It's, um, yeah, it feels very much the, like this reminder of ultimately we have the power to create our own beauty and to radiate mm -hmm. beauty in whatever way feels the best to each of us. Yes. And I want to add something to this concept of manifestation. So, you know, in our initial conversations, um, I confessed that perhaps I would be your least like woo-woo <laughs> manifestation prone guest or friend. And I thank you for not judging me for this. But then I, I thought more about it. And I thought about some of the things that my mother taught me and my, my sisters and me. 
which I think in some ways have to do with manifestation. So she told us to smile at ourselves in the mirror every morning. You know, when you're going in the bathroom, doing the first things, brushing your teeth, what have you, like actually smile at yourself. She also did that, said to do that if you're in an elevator, preferably by yourself, because people might think you're a big cuckoo. <laughs> but if you're in an elevator that has a big mirror by yourself, to to smile like and she's like you know force it if you must if you're not feeling in a smiling mood but smile at yourself and it will actually make you feel better and it'll make you feel like smiling which you know is a nice thing and she also told us to say nice things to ourselves she always said you know spend a lot of time looking at yourself in the mirror she's like looking at yourself in the mirror is how you get to know yourself it's how you get to know the changes that come in your face, in your body, if you have the privilege of aging, you should look like really look and you should tell yourself you're beautiful. You should tell yourself you look great. You should tell this little wrinkle, hi wrinkle, you're here because I have the privilege of being one year older or you're here because I've laughed so much. You're here to remind me of my laughs. And hey, belly, you're a little maybe a little softer than you were 20 years ago, but you know what? You're my core. You like hold me up and I am grateful and you look beautiful. I mean, isn't, is that kind of manifestation? Oh my gosh. 1000%. Yes. Okay. So I take it back. I'm not your least (laughs) manifestation prone woo woo friend ever. Yes. That is, that is actually your mother's practice In one of our courses, we teach rituals of manifestation. That's the name of the class, rituals of manifestation. And one of the practices that we teach is that morning mirror talk, that morning conversation with self. And that's exactly what your mother was teaching you and your sisters. I will call her this afternoon and say, mom, thank you. I don't thank you enough for all this. I don't do it every morning, but I I must confess I do it. (laughs) I mean, it makes it, it makes a huge difference. It, it truly does when we start our day with a, just a small acknowledgement of how wonderful that person that you're looking at in the mirror is and give her a little bit of a joyful smile. That's an incredible mm-hmm. way to start the day. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next, the next quote that I wanted to share with you and get your thoughts on. So Aristotle had a lot to say about beauty, and the poetics, Aristotle said, to be beautiful, a living creature, and every whole made up of parts must present a certain order in its arrangement of parts. What's your thoughts on Aristotle's thinking on beauty? And that's, of course, just one sentence from many things he said about beauty. Yes, he, uh, we hold a special place in our hearts for Aristotle. Um, I think his general beliefs and writings on beauty can be interpreted um, in very different ways. You know, what you just read, I think, can be interpreted as saying, if you don't look like this, you're not beautiful. If your parts are not arranged this A, B, C, D way, then don't even try because if you're, you know, A, D, C, B, then too bad for you. Um, he also had um, some quotes about um, symmetry specifically. Yeah. Which, you know, I think in the most classical definition of beauty or how you, why we think some models 
are the most beautiful or how people picks their like most beautiful person of the year. There, there is a lot to be said about symmetry. Again, to me, that part of Aristotle is a little bit um, narrow, perhaps. Uh, it might be true if you're looking at a statue, you know, the, the statue of the most uh, even symmetrical human face and body might be more beautiful than a different one in that very classical narrow definition. But I'm not sure that it, this is as relevant today as either your previous definition or some of other some other of Aristotle's writings. One of the things that we um, that really resonates with us in terms of Aristotle is he always saw a relationship between the beautiful and virtue. And again, you know, this can also be interpreted in different ways. One way, which I don't, uh, is not how I interpret it, but that could mean if you're ugly, you're evil. Mm. I do not think, I'm no, I'm no Greek philosopher or philosophy expert or Aristotle expert, but that's not how I interpret it. I interpret it rather to say that beauty and good are, t- beauty and virtue, beauty and the good are tied together, which inherently does not make beauty evil. You know, I think there's a lot of, uh, especially of today of conversation, whether even about hair, like what constitutes beautiful hair? Um, is it textured? Is it not textured? About size, like, can you be beautiful if you're a size 16 or do you have to be a size two to be beautiful? Um, the color of your skin, can you be beautiful at any skin tone or is there a definition of beauty? So I think I like this idea of beauty more inclusive and that beauty is related to good. And the way we interpret it is when you, you know, when you look good, you feel good. And I think this is true almost universally, men, women, younger, older. And again, looking good is your definition. When I look good, I feel good. Mm-hmm. And we always added the, when you look good, you feel good and you do good. And I think again to myself, when I think I look good, again, no matter what you might think, I look terrible and I hate my outfit and the way I did my hair. But if I think I look good, I feel great. And if I feel great, I am presenting to the world the the best version of myself. I'm nicer, typically. I'm cheerier. I'm more likely to say something nice to some random person because I, my cup is full of all this niceness. And so this is how we see this concept of beauty and virtue being tied together. It's not, you know, this ugliness and evilness, but it's really that when you feel beautiful, you're your most virtuous self, which we translate as your, your best self. Mm, so good. I mean, that brings up a question for me. So one of the things that I hear fairly often in our courses or I get messages about is two things in regards to living a spiritual life or living a life in which mysticism and a holistic approach to living is invited in to someone's, someone's path. The two things I hear is, is it okay to want money? And is, is it okay to want to look and, look and feel beautiful? Is it, is it okay to want those two things? Or is that vanity? Can I be spiritual? And can I want to be wealthy? Can I be spiritual? And can I want to be beautiful? What are your thoughts on, on that take? I will speak to the, to the beauty part of this. So I, I do not agree that beauty is vanity. Um, 
Although, you know, to, to go back to something you said at the very beginning, when we started talking about definitions, I think the word beauty is extremely heavy. And maybe at some point, we'll need to find a different word, because I think there are some connotations um, that probably lead to these types of questionings. Mm. Um, so there's something that is heavy and that that's negative about the word beauty. However, putting that aside, I think, again, that one feeling beautiful can only contribute to one's self of sense and, um, and to how one is going to behave and what one is going to do. And so I think if you feel beautiful, you're stronger. You know, sometimes I think back and I tell people this uh, when they're like, oh, well, vanity, whatever. On the airplane, when they do their whole security spiel, they always say, in case of an emergency, if the masks come down, put yours on before you help anybody, including your child. Now, some might say this is kind of counterintuitive. It's very selfish. I want to help my child before anything else, especially before I help myself. And in effect, you can't help someone if you're not, well, in that case, if you run out of oxygen before you're able to get the mask on your child. But in, in less dramatic cases, I always think, you know, if my cup is not full, I can't contribute the way I want to uh, my family, to my job, to the world, to the, you know, the causes that matter to me. And being my best self, have feeling like my cup is full, having that energy to then give, I need to fill it. I need to take care of myself. Um, and there are many ways that uh, we all practice self-care. I think, again, self-care looks different for everybody. I do think that skincare is part of that self-care. Uh, you know, we love to say self-care through skincare. So we play in a tiny little bit of this world of self-care, which includes, of course, meditation and food and exercise and, you know, all, all this big world. And skincare certainly is a, a small piece of it, but I think it's an important piece. And it's not, and, and it is important. It's almost like self-care. It's then part of health care in a way. So don't feel bad about you know, wanting to take care of yourself, don't feel bad about wanting to go and get a facial, spending time on doing your, you know, at home facial, if that's what you prefer on applying serums, applying eye cream, applying body lotion on every little piece of your body. It's something you're doing for yourself. And I often say, and this is, I think, particularly true for um, us, well, not me, but for women who have children, that the time that you spend in your bathroom is very fre frequently the only time that you actually spend on yourself. And I don't have children and it's the same for me, actually. So I should, I shouldn't maybe make that distinction, but you know, when I'm not in my bathroom, I'm, um, with my husband, I'm with my pets, I'm at work, I'm with my friends, I'm with my phone and my emails and my constant text messagings and WhatsApps and, and, and I'm not focused on myself, but in the bathroom, uh, I, it's that sacred moment. And so whatever, you know, sacred, wherever you can find those sacred moments where you can replenish your own energy, where you can spend some quiet time on yourself, those are positive moments. Those are moments that you can then externalize into good. Mm, so it's so true. The more that we're able to nurture self, the more we can nurture the world around us, our families, our children, mm -hmm. our communities, our 
teams at work, our customers, whatever it may be for you, if you're taken care of, then you're going to innately just feel more calm, more groundedness. You're going to feel more alive, more in tune to your intuition. And these little moments of beauty, I mean, for me, it's, I have quite a collection of uh, facial oils. That's what I collect. I don't collect handbags. I collect facial oils. And for one, one of the reasons for that is I can travel with my oils and I can take great care of myself no matter where I am and feel mm-hmm. incredibly just good in my in my body and in my skin through that practice. But it is that moment in the bathroom where it's just me and my practice and my ritual in the morning or evening or whenever I'm having that time to do that. And it gives me a sense of just a a moment of reconnection to self and of clearing of the mind. And then I can go out and do all the things that I have on the plate for the day. And that's a really special time, a sacred time, as you said. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So another one of these quotes that I wanted to share, actually, I've got a couple more. So the next one is the romantic poet, John Keats, one of literature's Mm. great beauty obsessives says, beauty is truth, truth, beauty, that is all. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I love Keats. Yeah. So good. I I would interpret this one as Every person has their own definition of what is beauty, what beauty means, what is, and or what is beautiful. And mm-hmm. I think that this is, um, again, you know, in our our current state of the world and trying to be inclusive, respectful, kind, accepting. I love this quote, mm-hmm. and. It goes back to what we were talking a little bit um, earlier in terms of, you know, everyone gets to define for themselves what is beautiful in them. And then what I might find beautiful, you might not find beautiful in others. And that doesn't make, I don't think there's a single definition. I don't think there's a right or wrong. It's just what, what is beautiful to me and what is beautiful to you in me, in you and in others. And I like that, um, you know, I guess you could say he's meaning the opposite, that there's only one truth, but I don't, I don't prescribe to those types of interpretations. I'm like, truth, what is truth? I have my truth, you have your truth. I have my beauty, you have your beauty. So I I interpret it in a very inclusive um, and accepting form. Yeah, same, same. I think that one is just, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Okay, so one more. This one is from the fabulous Coco Chanel. Beauty begins the moment you decide to be yourself. Mm. Self-confidence, self-power, decision. Um, And I think in that quote, there's also lack of pretense, Mm -hmm. lack of trying to be something you're not. You know, I'm five, two and a half. I like to say I'm five, three. Like, I will never be tall. I wear very high heels. I'm still not tall. I just have to accept this is my mom always again said, you know, your, your feet, your legs, they touch the ground. They bring you to where you need to go. So stop being mad about them not being longer. So the, the, this, there's a acceptance. I think this is the word that I'm looking for. Um, accept who you are, 
like don't not work to being the best version of who you are. I think it's important to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, you know, I think that everyone should in, in some ways put in that effort. I think that's a, a out of respect to yourself. You deserve your body deserves your face deserves you deserve to be the best version of yourself. And that does take, um, some work or effort, or I don't know what the right word is, but it takes something, some energy, let's say. Yeah. Um, but don't, but we shouldn't try to be something we're not. And we should accept ourselves in our shapes, sizes, again, the best shapes and sizes we can be in. Um, yeah. Acceptance. That's what I hear in that quote. Yeah, me too. Me too. Acceptance and authenticity that being mm-hmm. who you are at your core is what's is when beauty begins. That's the moment it begins when you are fully authentic to yourself, when you are accepting yeah. of you and all of the parts that you are and allow that to shine through. Yeah. Yes. And um, if I can add one thing, yeah. which has to do with happiness, not uh, beauty, although one might again argue that they're related. I've always uh, tried to prescribe to this idea of, of the harmony between, you know, what you think, or I'll say I, what I think, what I feel, and how I act. Mm. And you were talking about authenticity. And I think if those three big axes, so thinking, feeling, acting are all in line, uh, this is my, this is how I'm at my most serene, let's say to not use the word happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think back to that, when you say being authentic, there's being authentic in your thinking, in your actions, in your feelings. Um, it's, it's important even beyond beauty. It's, I think for, for being, if we think about being our best selves, the whole self, authenticity is essential. Yeah. Oh, so good. Absolutely. Okay. So what are some of the trends out of in beauty that we should keep an eye out for? And then also what are some of the trends that are maybe not even trends that are just enduring moments of beauty that we can consider incorporating into our, into our routines, into our lives? Yeah. So I'll take the second part of that question. I'm not a, I'm not a very trendy person in anything that I do. Um, whether it be my fashion choices or the way that I develop product, for example, um, I, I live more for those more enduring yeah. uh, rituals. I like you use that word earlier. Um, you know, I think that h- however you perceive beauty and skincare, the ritual of doing something every morning and, and something every evening is important. It's important to your skin's health, um, let alone how it will look. And so I think the, the, the core is, you know, cleanse, treat, protect. Uh, if anyone out there isn't using some type of SPF every day, please do. That will, you know, that is not a trend. That is a ritual that should be embraced every single morning, regardless of season, regardless of if you're in LA or you're in Portland, Oregon, or somewhere where it's raining all the time. Um, I also think that finding 
the type of product that resonates with you is a, a really good way to embrace self-discovery. Um, you mentioned oils earlier. You love oils. I have a love for oil. We don't have an oil in our brand and it's a, it bothers me because I'm an oil lover, maybe one day. Uh, but I think, you know, listening to yourself, there's no right or wrong. And this goes back to the trend. It's not like if everybody starts using an Akai product because Akai is all over the news and it's supposed to be the best and the greatest, you know, okay, if you want to try it, try it, but don't go, don't, don't follow trends blindly. Find what really works for you, mm -hmm. uh, for your body care, for your skincare. I tell people, you know, your skin, it, it can't really talk to you, uh, but it can, it, it, you, you have to pay attention to how it feels. Like, does it feel supple and comfortable? Does it feel tight and irritated? Does it look red? You know, red redness is always, I'm like, if this product keeps making you red, don't think the more you use it, the less red you will get. I mean, maybe that's right with retinol for a couple of weeks, but other than that, it's your skin trying to tell you, please stop. Like, please try something different. This product might have worked for your best friend. It does not necessarily mean it'll work for you. That's one of the things that I love the most about be, you know, working, being in the world of skincare is it's utterly fascinating and incredibly personal, uh, which I think helps inform my very personal view of what beauty is. Because, you know, what your skin loves is not necessarily what my skin will love or what your community's skin will love. And so I think this idea of, of, discovering. It, it's exciting. You get to try all kinds of things. You get to figure out which one works best for you. Um, and I also think, you know, every so often we all have to relook at this discovery. You hopefully discover something in your 20s. Then you might discover something different in your 30s, maybe even something different in your 40s. It's like when you go through your wardrobe, I'm sure you have pieces that you've had for 20, 30 years. I would suggest that probably a majority of wardrobe is not more than 10 years old, which, you know, our looks change, styles change, uh, bodies change, comfort levels change in either direction. So I think this constant um, drive for self-discovery and what makes you, what makes your skin feel good is, is important and should be fun. Sometimes I feel like it's perceived as a hassle or as a chore. I think it can be fun. Me too. I think it can be so much fun. It's like one of my favorite things. So I'm mm -hmm. with you on that. Okay. And then I have one more question for you. What's your take on body modification or beauty enhancing procedures like Botox and fillers and things of that sort? Yes. I love this question. <laughs> So obviously everyone, uh, if you've been listening to this from the beginning, you know that I'm the daughter of a dermatologist. So that might obviously inform how I feel um, about this question. But I think if it, if it helps you feel the best that you can feel, then go for it. I will add one caveat to this, which is that you must, must, must go to the you know, best professionals that you have access to, whether it be an esthetician for some, uh, you know, minor things like peels or microdermabrasion or what have you, to dermatologists for 
injections, Botox, um, even, you know, little things around the, the jawline to plastic surgeons if you're looking for something a little bit more um, intense. I think the, you know, one of the things huh, to talk about a trend, one of the trends that kind of gets on my nerves is this whole getting all your information from influencers and TikTok stars. I love them. I, I'm not taking anything away from them other than it actually takes a lot of schoolwork and a lot of hours and a lot of knowledge to become an esthetician, to become a dermatologist, to become a plastic surgeon, to understand what is skin, what is morphology, where are your muscles, how can you, you know, tweak things so that they look the best possible. And so I really am all for any type of procedure that will make you feel your best. If it's performed by the best professional you have access to. And I have to tell you, um, you know, my father, obviously I think he's the best dermatologist in the world. Uh, sometimes he turns away patients when he feels that he's done everything that he can to make them look their best self naturally. You know, he always says, my goal is to make her or him look the way he or she feels. Mm -hmm. So you might be 67, you might feel 55, you might feel 52, you might feel 62. And so how can he help kind of align the way, again, this harmony, the way you feel and the way you look? He does not treat patients who are 65 who feel like they're 22 because he, he consciously, conscionably, you know, he, he, that goes beyond what he's willing to do. And also if the desire, you know, initially you go to him and you say, I'd like to look my best self, maybe 10 years younger, let's tweak a few things. Perfect. And then you go back and you say, actually, let's go back 10 more years, or let's go back 20 more years. He, you know, he tries to manage that very consciously. And so when I talk about access to the best professionals that you have, it's not only about the quality of the output, like, do they actually know where to inject the needle of Botox to give you a refreshed look and not the look where your best girlfriend's going to be like, Hey, where'd you get your Botox? Um, <laughs> right. But it's also the, the ability, the psychology of being able to help men and women know where to draw the line. Mm -hmm. mm. So important. So good. Thank you so much for this conversation and your friendship and the years of growing and a way in which we both have from our younger days to the wise women. I mm -hmm. feel like we truly have become. I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Well, thank you for, for giving me this opportunity. I, I imagine it came across, I feel very passionately about all of this and I actually don't speak about it in this way so frequently. Um, and so I, I really appreciate you giving me that, that uh, opportunity discussing those quotes and what beauty means. And um, hopefully the audience appreciated it. And I, I welcome any, you know, questions that might come your way if you want to forward them to me. I, I obviously love talking about this. So thank you again. Yes. And if someone's listening and they are wanting to try this mask that I've obviously already raved about and explore the other products in the Alchemy Forever line, where can they find, where can they find the brand? So the best place to go is on our website, uh, alchimie, A-L-C-H-I-M-I-E, dash forever.com. 
And you can also find us on most social media platforms. It's at Alchemy Forever. Perfect. Thank you so much, my friend. I am, as I said, so grateful and I'm so excited about this giveaway we're doing together. So as a reminder to all those that are listening, make sure you head over to Instagram and enter the giveaway. We also have our special code, which I'll share more about that. And you can go try out these beautiful products and have your own mystical ritual, magical experience in your sacred bathroom space each morning and evening. Thanks, Ada. I'll see you soon. Thank you. I absolutely love having conversations with these. Anytime I can sit with a friend and talk philosophy of beauty and wellness, I am completely lit up. All right, so let's talk about this giveaway. So we're celebrating the launch of this episode, this collaborative episode with Ada and myself. And in honor of that, Ada and I are offering you some really great prizes. Here they are. You can win $200 to spend on Alchemy Forever's self-care through skincare products, products of your choice. You can choose whatever you want from Alchemy Forever, plus $200 to spend on your wellness reset at Wee Wee Studio. You can use that $200 to spend on whatever you want over at Wee Wee Studio. Here's how you enter the giveaway. Head on over to Instagram and be on the lookout for a collaborative post between myself, Wee Wee Girl, and Alchemy Forever. Go find that post. Once you find that post, you're going to follow Alchemy Forever and Wee Wee Studio. Like that post and tag a friend who loves their skincare and their wellness rituals as much as you love yours. Share the giveaway and, of course, tag us in your stories for an extra entry And double-double bonus, if you listen to this episode, which you now have, and you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, then you get double-double bonus, okay? A winner will be drawn and announced on Instagram Stories on Tuesday, the 28th of June, and you're going to get that $200 credit to both alchemyforever.com and weewestudio.com. Credits can be applied to any purchase on each site. I think that covers it. One more thing to thank you for being a loyal listener of this show of your woo woo best friend. Ada has graciously offered to gift you 20% off anything on the Alchemy Forever site when you use the code WeWee20 at checkout. And that's going to be O U I O U I 20. Yes, yes, 20. Okay. 20% off to thank you for being a loyal listener of this show. We're so grateful. That is it for this week. I will see you again next week. Can't wait to see the reviews. Can't wait to see your social shares. As always, we love you and appreciate you for doing that. Have a wonderful, beautiful start to your summer. Much love. See you next week.